What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone is doing well. Um, excited to get into summer and start our summer workouts, giving the kids about a week off or two weeks off, I guess, now. So uh, get them rested up and ready to attack it this summer. Um, me and Walls are excited to get out on the road and, and find some different different clinics and different places we can go and coaches we can go visit. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, hit us up if, if you guys have got somewhere to go or uh, somewhere you think we need to be at because uh, we're excited to go and learn some more football this summer. Uh, if you guys need anything from us or want to uh, see any of our content, you can head over to runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder has recently launched a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes free with any Team Builder free trial. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a full year, 52-week football strength and conditioning program that, again, is free with any Team Builder free trial. Visit their website and make sure you enter the code RTP to get their 52-week training program and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com, which is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. As coaches, we all know the best way to represent our big win is with the championship ring, and the team at Legend Rings wants to help you celebrate your regional and state championship title this season. Their goal is to make your championship ring purchase simple, easy, and affordable from design to delivery. Check them out at legendrings.com or email info at legendrings.com to get started. Let them know that Run the Power sent you, and they will make your ring for free. Again, go check them out at legendrings.com. This episode of the RTP podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us. If you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all, we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves times on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP brought to you by Legend Rings, we talk with PJ Gibbs. Coach Gibbs, the head coach of East Lee County High School in Lehigh Acres, Florida. Listen as we talk with Coach Gibbs about his time coaching for USA football, playing great defense, and his book, The Right Defense for Your Program, Multiple Fronts, Pressures, Practice Planning, Organization, and Building Relationships. You guys can follow Coach Gibbs on Twitter at Coach. PJ Gibbs. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I, I want to thank you guys. Uh, it, I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be on here. You guys do such a great job for football coaches across the country. And this, this is a really, really cool thing for me to do. Um, um, I mean, really, 
I started playing football in, in seventh grade. Uh, I'm from a, a small town in New Jersey, Manasquan, New Jersey. And um, it, it's, it's a Nor Norman Rockwell painting, man. It's, it, it, you grow up, it's like 1950s Americana. Um, it's, it's varsity blues, uh, everything wrapped into it. Um, uh, so I started playing Pop Warner and uh, our high school team was very, very good. I had an older cousin that played and um, they started out, you know, 1990. Um, when I was still playing Pop Warner, uh, they, they started this run of state championships. And then, uh, you know, I got into high school uh, in 1993 and um, was fortunate enough to be one of the, the few freshmen that got to dress for the state title game. And, um, you know, we, we were 32 and four in high school. Um, very, very well coached. I mean, we were not superior, superior athletically by any means. Um, my head coach, Vic Cabo was a huge influence on me. And I knew at 14 years old that I wanted to be a head football coach and, and be involved teaching high school. So um, he had a tremendous impact on me as well as my position coaches, uh, Rich Reed and Don Reed and Jay Price and PK Hill. And, um, you know, guys like that uh, have kind of molded me into the guy that I am today and um, played four years at Manasquan and ended up going to play at St. Peter's College in Jersey City, the old, the old MAC conference. Um, that most schools don't have football anymore as St. Peter's shut down in 2006, but for the football program. Um, but, you know, it was a small um, FCS school and we played like Iona, Siena, Canisius, Marist. Uh, we took a trip to Georgetown when one of the coolest stories was uh, Georgetown's old football field used to be on top of the athletic center. So the track and the football field, you had to walk up these six flights of steps to get on, on literally the roof of this building. And it was overlooking, um, you know, overlooking uh, parts of Virginia and D.C. and really, really cool and neat and uh, play with a bunch of great guys that I still keep in touch with today. And ironically, most of us are involved in coaching, whether it's at the head coach level, or the coordinator level. And, um, you know, we talk every now and then. And um, after college, uh, I majored in history and secondary education and um, wanted to go back and I, I needed to do my student teaching. So. I chose to go back to my alma mater to go back to Manasquan and I student taught for Jay Price, who was my linebacker coach um, in 2001. And I got to coach the varsity linebackers with him and um, won a state title that year. And uh, we went on a little bit of a run. They'd won three previous. We ended up winning five in a row from 98 to 02. And I was part of the last two teams and I uh, was at Manasquan for a few years. And then at 26, I got an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. So I went and worked under another Hall of Fame head coach in New Jersey, Joe Martucci, for, for three years. And, and um, unfortunately, uh, in 2007, uh, uh, my head coach from Madison, Vicaboo, passed away of pancreatic cancer. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we went through a little bit of a rough, rough patch there as a community and, uh, and, and a coaching staff. And um, it kind of wanted me, uh, after the 08 season at Madawan, kind of pulled me to go back home. So 2009, uh, Pete Cahill, who was my D.C. in high school, decided to uh, he was going to take over for coach um, Ted, take it over for coach in 2008. And um, I called coach Cahill and asked if I could come back. And I came back and I was the defensive line coach. And then um, eventually was named the defensive coordinator and defensive back coach in 2011 when uh, coach Cahill took an admin job and, and, and coach Price took over and uh, was there uh, up until 2014, where um, a really good friend of mine who I actually graduated with and played high school football with Luke Sinkhorn took a head coaching job at Howell and he uh, was having a hard time finding guys to coach with him. So, uh, he called me up and Luke and I have known each other for over 20 years and, um, decided I was going to go join him. And, uh, then after one year there, um, you know, I've been, I was married in 2009 and, 
Uh, we had our daughter and bought our first house within uh, two years of that. And uh, if you guys know anything about New Jersey, the taxes don't go anything but up. And, um, you know, we were <laughs> Peter to, you know, kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul there for a while. And um, my wife had went to Clemson and my in-laws had moved down to the West Coast of Florida. And ironically, my brother-in-law at the time, he, he's the tight ends coach at SEMO now. He was an analyst for the University of Missouri. So he was helping recruit the Southwest Coast of Florida. And he had shot me a text one day and said, hey, man, listen, I don't know if you're looking to, uh, to you know, to move to Florida, which I really wasn't. I mean, I really wanted to go back and be the head coach at Manusplum, but he said, there's like seven or eight high schools down here that are just itching for coaches and teachers. So um, after the 2014 season, uh, my wife and I decided that we were going to look to relocate and um, Florida was one of the spots. So I'd set my resume out and um, we came down for Easter and I interviewed uh, at a couple of high schools, got offered two jobs and ended up accepting the defensive coordinator's job at Gulf Coast High School here in Naples. And um, came back and we sold our house in 10 days and packed the car up July 2nd of 2015. And we were down in, uh, in Estero, Florida, a day and a half later, uh, with a three and a one and a half year old and, um, was at golf. <laughs> now that's a trip. Yeah, that was, uh, with, with those two, that's a, that's a, a much longer trip than it already is. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was crazy. Cause you know, it was, we had left so early in the morning and the kids didn't wake up till we really got out of Virginia. We actually made it all the way to Jacksonville the first day, which I didn't really think we were going to do. I thought we were going to have to stop in Georgia, but we made it to Jacksonville. And that's the one thing about Florida. People don't understand if you've never been here, you know, you get to the GPS and it's like, Oh, you're entering Florida. You see the sign, welcome to Florida. And then we got to get to Estero, which is 15 minutes North of Naples. And it's like, you have five and a half more hours in the car. Um, you know, Florida is such a big state. So, um, was at Gulf Coast for three years, worked with a great group of guys and um, ended up winning our first district title in the history of the school there in 2016 and um, had an opportunity to go up the street to Palmetto Ridge, where last year I was there for three years. Last year, we were the number one defense in Southwest Florida, uh, allowed only 6.9 points per game and um, set a state record in state playoff game um, for, with four safeties. Uh, it's uh, one off the national record. Uh, we did that last year and we had a, a great group of kids that um, were uh, just bought into what we were selling. And then uh, I just decided that it was time for me to try to this head coaching thing again and uh, applied at Eastleigh County and um, interviewed and was offered the job. And my wife and I sat down and that was going to be the move that we were going to make. So um, it, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind the last few months. And uh, I have to say uh, on a positive note, the kids have been great. Uh, I got the, I'm hired, I hired a great coaching staff. Um, I got great support from my administration, my principal, my athletic director. And, um, you know, I really can't say enough about that. And, um, you know, outside of the high school uh, piece, uh, I've been involved with USA football since, um, since really 2008, I worked regional camps with USA football and was fortunate enough to be named a master trainer to travel around the Southeast pre COVID um, to talk about safe tackling and practice planning and, and uh, things like that. And then I've been a U.S. national team coach since 2016, a head coach three times, uh, two times for the U-17 team and one time for the Japanese national team and won all three. So um, it, it's, it's been a fo football has given me a lot of opportunities and I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys if it wasn't for the people um, in my life early on and, and for the game of football. So, Coach, you mentioned, I think you said, was it March 2nd that you got the job, the head coaching job? Yeah, it was my first day. It was March 2nd. Yes, sir. So so you get the job March 2nd. What's what's the, the first week? What's the first few days like? Because 
I'm assuming you go in there. You really probably don't know anybody, you know, I mean, I'm sure you might know a couple of the coaches, obviously, you know, everyone that interviewed you, but uh, you know, in that, you know, football with all these brand new kids that don't know you, um, you know, coming into a situation that I'm sure you have an idea of, but you never really know till you get there. What are, uh, and I'm sure you made some kind of a list if it was in your head or on, on paper or whatever, but what were some of the first things that you were wanting to go in and either find out or do uh, that first week or that first few days? How did you get broken into, you know, learning or meeting these kids? And, you know, because there's some things I think that, that if you know the kids really well, you've got no problem asking, you know, very high things of them. To me, it, it's a little more difficult maybe when you don't know the kids as well. So what were those first few weeks like? What were you trying to get accomplished? Well, I mean, the, the first few days, it was um, – I really got to acclimate, acclimate myself to the, the, the faculty, walking around and introducing myself. Um, yeah, I was in the cafeteria, um, really meet, meeting the kids and, and trying to get kids to come out for football. Uh, they're they're um, coming on – you know, we're, I'm walking into a 16-game losing streak. So, you know, football at the school, I mean, there's kids that love football, but um, it, it's it, the morale was very, very low. So it was – um, you know, trying to get the kids to understand that, hey, you know, we're going to do things differently. You know, there, there's going to be there, there's a change in the culture. Um, you know, there's going to be I'm going to bring in a, a top notch coaching staff and, um, you know, just kind of get them excited about, you know, playing with each other and, 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 and you know, getting them back in the weight room and, um, you know, loving the game again and loving being around them, you know, their friends and, and having fun. So that was really the first my my, my ideas the first week was to do that and then to. Um, uh, really kind of uh, when, I, when I did get the job, you know, uh, our principal, she did allow me to hire my entire staff, which, which, which was a phenomenal thing that she said, you know, um, I know you'll bring good people in. And that's what I told him in the interview. Like, if I'm bringing in someone from the outside of the building, they're, they're, they just don't know X's and O's. They're great around kids. They're a great person. Uh, and that's the most important thing to me. I mean, anybody can get on a, a chalkboard and draw stuff up, but I want... I want great human beings that are going to help mold these young men um, in, in, into, into great citizens leaving high school going on to, you know, to, to, to do great things. So that was kind of my first week and kind of meeting people that wanted to be part of the staff. And um, that that was really a whirlwind, too, which is kind of everybody was coming up, introducing themselves. And, you know, with the kids, you know, social media is such a big piece. So a lot of these kids knew who I was based off the kids from Palmetto Ridge talking to them on social media. Um, so they knew of me, they just didn't know, you know, the face, you know, so, um, that, that was kind of thing was kind of establishment, establishing my presence in the building to let them know that, you know, I'm here and we're going to hold you accountable and you're going to do the, what you need to do in the classroom because playing football is a privilege, privilege. It's not a right coach. So that, that go ahead walls. I was just say it always takes me a little while, Coach. I, I've always got the notes out here. I I, I keep telling people it, it, this is it's a podcast, man. But we're here learning too, so I, I love yes, it, sir. man. Um, I, I love what you had to say. You know about you know number one, obviously you're going to meet the kids, and then number two, you know already kind of establishing that that trust with your administration. You know, allowing them to kind of you know be able to pick your own staff. You know, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I, I think so much of you know, getting a new job and going into new situations, you're, you're really at the mercy of, of your boss. So, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, kind of that process and how, you know, they kind of sold you on, Hey, even though we've had this 16 game losing streak, you know, how did they kind of build that trust with you as well? Well, 
I mean, the, our principal, she is, uh, I, I'm very, very lucky. Um, I have a principal that is a diehard Alabama fan. She is a football person. I have a vice principal that's a Florida Gators alum, and she's a diehard football fan. Uh, my athletic director is a former basketball player at the NAIA level. So I got sports people in administrative places. Um, so when I interviewed, that was one of the conditions that I had mentioned um, when we discussed you know, um, certain aspects of if I were to get offered the job, what would you want type things. And um, I did not say that I would not hire anybody in the building, but I did say that I would want some of my own people around. And if people in the building were interested, I would definitely sit down and talk with them and be um, accommodating to them, but just kind of understand that it's going to be a lot different than it was last year and what standard we're going to hold ourselves to and the expectations that are going to be for not just the kids, for the coaches, because, I, you know, I think to be a, an effective leader, A, you have to delegate authority. You don't micromanage. B, I also think that um, don't ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't. I think that's a big thing, you know, um, whether it's helping clean the weight room. It's to me, everybody's a spoke in the wheel. And, and, and I said that at my staff meeting the other day. Yeah, I have the title. Yes, I have to answer the newspapers, answer the questions. But everybody's a spoke in the wheel that no, nobody's bigger than the team. Um, you know, like just to get that message across to the coaching staff, you know, and, and I think to the kids too. So they understand that, yes, I'm going to make the decision on fourth down. Yes. I'm going to make the decision, ultimate decision on discipline or, or whatever it is, but people are going to have a say and, and the, the people will be allowed to say their piece. But at the end of the day, um, I'm going to make the final decision, but people have the ability to speak their mind if they want to. So, Coach, you, you go in, and, and obviously, like you said, you've got the option to bring in some assistance, but I'm sure there's also people that, you know, and I don't want to get specific because, you know, these are all people out there, but just in general, at, at most jobs you're going to go in, there's going to be people that, that want to stay there as well that are already on staff. How do you go about, you know, that process? Is that something that you're wanting to watch film and, and see, okay, that's, this is how this group played? Is that something that you just want to, hey, talk to the principal or, or the athletic director? What did you think of these guys? Is it something that you just purely want to talk to them and, and kind of see what they know through conversation? How do you go about that deciding with a guy that you may not know that's already been on staff um, when you do have the option to, you know, go out and, and hire somebody else? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I did get access to the huddle, so I did, I did watch film. And I did, I did see, you know, I, I saw, you know, tendencies and, you know, certain fundamental things that, that, that needed to be addressed. Um, I did ask the athletic director. I did ask the assistant AD. I did ask the principal and the vice principal about anybody that was interested in the building or people I should talk to. Um, so the people that were interested, um, I made it a point to get them down to my office and basically interview them, you know, and, and, kind of like, you know, just, just a clean slate. And I told them that when they came in at like, I don't care what happened last year that I wasn't here. That does, that doesn't matter to me. You know, we're talking about 2021 spring and fall. So, you know, what, 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 you know, what questions do you have of me and really kind of flip the interview? Like, what do you want to know from me? Cause you know, I, I can do a couple of things real well, man. I, I can, I can teach, I can coach and I can read people like a book. I'm from Jersey. So I, I, within the first three to five minutes, I, I, I know what kind of person you are. Hmm. Um, 
So, you know, that, that was kind of it. And then, um, you know, through talking to people, um, this is actually, this is actually, I'm actually really proud of this for our staff. Um, we hired a female director of football operations. Uh, she is one of the most organized and intense pe people that I've met in 21 years of coaching. And I'm excited to have her on staff. Um, Coach Neal is going to do a phenomenal job for us. And um, I can't say enough good things about her and what she's already helped us do. Yeah, Coach, in, in college, I think um, we might have had at Houston the first DFO that was uh, Tori Teckle, um, a you know a female DFO yep. who's over at Kansas now. Uh, but went to Texas, was at Houston. And like you said, you know, she, in my opinion, she did an unbelievable job. I gave yep. her a lot of grief uh, when the, when the airplane, when the uh, movies didn't work, um, <laughs> you know, poking fun and have fun, but she was, she was awesome. And, and she still does a great job. So, so coach, uh, that's kind of how you went through interview, you know, talking with in general, some of the coaches on staff, how did you know, the guys that you wanted to come and bring in for interviews from outside the program is that, you know, you've kind of built the list over the past five or six years um, of guys that you thought did a good job. Is that something that, you know, you kind of just floated out there and saw who bit, how did you, how did you have that network of people to call on once it was time for you to say, okay, I need this, 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 and this coach. How did you go find those or how did you go get those guys? Well, I, I had a, I had a list. Uh, I had a list of guys that were, that were my A-list guys. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of went through that and, um, you know, uh, and the thing is a couple of them are out of state. So it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's logistical thing. Like, you know, um, you know, are you ready to move? Uh, you know, this is what you need to do. Um, so I, I kind of gave guys deadlines like, Hey, I need to know. Cause I mean, before we know spring spring is going to be here. So I, I can't have a guy dragging his feet. And then, you know, I might just have to go hire a local guy because I got a, I got a buddy of mine dragging his feet. So I, I had a list of A and B guys and I got calls from a couple college coaches about some guys. And um, I got a, a call from uh, a buddy of mine that we used to be a head coach in the area. And um, he asked, uh, it was, it was funny because he, he sent me a message to ask how the, staff thing was going and I was like yeah pretty good and he didn't like I thought he was going to say oh you know something whatever and he and he didn't really say anything and I was kind of like well are you interested in coming and he's like yeah and I'm like really I was like so call me um and uh that you know that was kind of like kind of like how that happens and then um I'm very very fortunate with the relationships I've built over 21 years and and through USA football and through the college coaches that um, our, our safeties coach is coming to us from Michigan and my corners coach, um, was a three-year starter at Florida state. Um, and they're just great men, great human beings. And, um, to have those guys to run your secondary as a first year head coach, it's, it's like, wow. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's just really, I mean, I think when, when you look at it, um, it, it really relationships, that you maintain really matter because when you get a head coaching job, you'll get guys that call you and say, Hey, this, this guy's looking, um, he can really do this or, Hey, this guy is in your area. He can really do this. And you value those guys' opinions that you've, that you've had relationships with over the years. And um, I think that just shows you no, know, no matter what level of ball you're coaching, whether it's from youth all the way to FBS, somebody knows somebody. 
um, because somebody was at a, you know, D3 school or now they're a FBS coordinator and now they know this guy and, you know, it's, it's, we're, everybody's trying to help each other out. So that, that's kind of how I went about the, the interview process and um, actually hired um, two guys that were in the building um, that really, I uh, really felt strongly about that they were in it for the right reasons, in it for the kids and in, in to turn this thing around and help the program. So we got a good mix, uh, a really good mix of guys. Coach, you know, being a defensive guy yourself, you know, how are you going to kind of, you know, manage that? Is that something you're going to still have your your pulse on? Or are you going to try to be more on the other side of the ball? Have you, you kind of thought about what it's going to look like, you know, you know having that, that defensive background and now, you know, kind of being the head dude in charge? Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. Um, I thought about it for, for, for about a week. And um, I really, really want to call an offense. So I said to myself, all right, I got to hire a DC. And um, so we're going to run a lot of our stuff. We ran the last couple of years at Palmetto in the spring because it's, it's simple. I'm comfortable with it. I think the, it'll be easy for the kids to learn. Um, and then we'll reevaluate re after the spring game going into the summer, just based on our personnel, you know, what we have and, uh, you know, to go from there. But yeah, I'm excited to call the offense. I, I, re I really, really am. I, I think it's a new challenge. And um, as a defensive guy, coach, like you just said, I've, all I've done the last 21 years is study offense. So I think that's going to help putting other teams' defenses in a bind because as a defensive guy, coach, like you are, you know what hurts you in certain fronts. So I think that'll help, um, help with these guys, um, you know, especially with a younger team we're going to have going into, going into the season. So, Coach, kind of, you know, flipping it back on you a little bit, obviously, um, I'm I'm just intrigued by all the interview process because, uh, you know, like I said, I've kind of just went through all of this, uh, but at a smaller level because it was for an assistant coaching position uh, or a coordinator, you know, coaching position. So when you go in and, and go interview in for your for your job, for the head coaching job, what are what were some things that you, uh, you know, wanted to have ready and, and what was that interview process like? you know, for a head coach compared to a defensive coordinator? Um, I think it, it well, for the coordinator, I think it depends on who the head coach is. Um, because when I got hired at Palmetto, um, I basically, it was a handshake agreement with me and the head coach. Um, when I got hired at Gulf Coast, it was a meeting with the principal and the head coach. When I got hired at Manasquan, it was basically, I was the next guy up. So, it's a little bit more informal coach, I guess you could say. Um, this was my ninth head coaching interview in 21 years. And I, and, and <laughs> I, I got it right. I got it right this time, not nine times a charm for me. So I had been a finalist three times down here in Florida, um, two times in New Jersey. Uh, so um, I think the head coaching process, the interview, um, I think having everything you know, like I started out the interview and, and, and I, uh, uh, Vinny Digitano helped me out tremendously through the process. He's at Fordham and um, we talked and he helped me out with with my PowerPoint and stuff like that. Um, but I thought I was it was very thorough, uh, you know, explaining your your story kind of like I'm doing now um, and then talking about, um, you know, what you did at each each stop, not just the, the football stuff, but recruiting the kids and fundraising and uh, talking about that. And then 
talking about your philosophy as, as a head coach, like, what are you going to try to implement? Um, Cause here's the thing, like if, if they start asking you about X's and O's, I mean, you haven't even met the kids yet. So how do you know what you're going to run? Um, first and foremost, I think you have to establish a program philosophy, which we have a few of them. Uh, it's, you know, you don't wake up to be average and I'm a big do your job guy, you know, fast and physical, both sides of the ball. So that was something that I wanted to, to let the administration know that, that that's how we were going to be. And um, then going into the accountability piece with the kids, um, you know, we're going to have uh, weekly progress reports that um, each coach in the building is going to be an academic coordinator. So like myself and coach Paul, our, D, our corners coach, we're going to be the 12th grade academic coordinators. Coach Towns and Coach Bowen are going to be 11th grade academic coordinators. Um, uh, Coach Kelly is going to be in the 9th and 10th grade academic coordinator. He's a guidance counselor and he's a volunteer assistant. So he comes when he can, but he's also going to help out tremendously in the guidance office. So talking about that the te- and letting the teachers know that, hey, every Monday, these kids are going to have a progress report. It's due to us Thursday. We keep a folder in, in my office. So when college coaches come in, not only do we show them film, we show them their progress reports so they can know how they are in class behavior-wise and academically, and then talk about how we're going to tie in all the stakeholders. So how are we going to tie in the community? we got to fundraise. Um, we got to be involved with the youth program. We have to get the cheerleaders involved, get the school excited about football. Um, you know, anything we could do, uh, the JRE, JROTC program, get them involved. So it's really, um, you know, you're, you're, you're an extra administrator in the building, but you get to have the fun of coaching football. So that to me is really kind of what I think for them sold, sold me to them to, to show that I'm not just there to talk about football and they're going to talk about making these kids better as, as, as people and getting them ready for the next step in life. Because at the end of the day, they're going to go pro in something else. You know, they're, they're, they're going to go to college and they're going to become, you know, teachers, doctors, uh, mechanics, electricians. I mean, if they're fortunate enough to get a shot at the league, great. Um, but they're always going to look back on the life lessons they learned in high school football. And, and it's an honor and privilege for us to, to instill that stuff in them. I love that, man. Uh, and, and you show that too, you know, when you look at your Twitter profile and things like that, I mean, you, you, you kind of wear it on your sleeve. Hey, I'm, I'm the head coach, but I'm also the, the recruiting coordinator. So I think, you know, that piece, there's, there's a good number of coaches out there that, that kind of shy away from that, you know, Hey, maybe it's not my job. Well, uh, I, I tend to disagree, obviously. So that's another thing that, you know, that makes me, it kind of piques my interest, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, yourself and, and being able to, to sell your program to college coaches and then sell your kids. I know, you know, you guys had a kid, uh, Kamate Grimes going to Nebraska, which is, you know, we're out to school. So I'm excited about him, but, you know, it, it fires me up to see coaches that are fired up, you know, to, to get their kids into college, because that's a life-changing experience for a lot of these families. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, a kid like Camonte and, and Malik Diodon, who who's the other wideout that's going to Western Michigan, um, you know, coach, you know, I mean, th- those guys, they, they just need to be put in the right lane. I mean, they're, they're going to, somebody's going to, somebody's going to give them a scholarship to go. They're just, they're just too good of an athlete to, to not. Um, but it's really as, as the recruiting piece, a couple of things, it's having the kids understand that it is okay to be a division three football player. It is okay to be NAIA. It is okay to go to JUCO if you want to. It is okay to go to a prep program for a semester if you want to get some more film. Um, I think social media is a blessing and a curse, right? I think social media can be great if used the right way. I think um, there's some uh, kids and programs that, that use it for other things. And 
Um, but, I, you know, I think for me, it's making the, the kids and the parents understand that the ultimate goal is for you to have zero student debt. That's the ultimate goal. It's if, if you have the financial means to go be a preferred walk-on somewhere and your parents can pay for you, go. I, I always tell the kids, if they want to do that, that's fine because it doesn't cost the football program anything. So they'll take you because you'll get accepted into the school. You'll pay the full tuition. Um, if you have some good grades, maybe they'll take some money off, but it doesn't cost the football program any money. But if you want to play football and you're willing to do the work inside and outside the classroom, we will work our butts off to get you there. And it's, it's not just inside the classroom. It's, are you a good citizen? Are you out in the community doing the right thing? Are you in the hallways? Are you doing, not doing what you're supposed to do? Are you on time to class? Am I, have, am I getting a phone call about you being a knucklehead in class? You know, because I tell them, I'm not going to lie to a college coach for it. Because if I lie to that coach and you go there and screw up, we're burning the bridge with that program. And the two, a kid two years down the road might really want to go there and they're not going to come back. So I'm not going to do that. Um, honesty to me is a lost art in this business. People are so infatuated with telling what kids what they want to hear instead of telling them the truth. And maybe, you know what, maybe we'll lose some kids for that. But I, I, I can wake up in the morning and look myself in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to give it my best every day. Nobody's going to outwork me. And I'm going to do the best for, for our kids and our, for our program. I love it, coach. So, so when you go into a program that, that has, you know, lost 16, you know, their last football games going into a season like that, obviously I've got to assume, you know, long-term goals are playoffs, get, you know, state championship. Uh, I guess I just ask you kind of what are the, you know, the long-term goals and then what's a, what do you go in and set as a goal for your whole program for year one? Year one, we've just lost – we've lost 16 games in a row. Obviously, you don't want to shoot too high, I guess, probably. Uh, you probably don't want to shoot too low because you want to build this thing. Or maybe I'm wrong, but what is your – you know, what is that first-year goal for the team? What are we trying to do? I think first thing is we got to win the spring. Uh, we have to uh, be great this month and next month and, and, and then all the way into May and, and then go down to Golden Gate and, and start – start the process off the right way by taking a road trip, winning on the road and, and showing the kids that we can, we can get on a bus, go down to golden gate and win a football game. And that'll set the tone for the summer going into the season. Um, you know, I think, I think for, for year one, I think it's, it's finding out kids that are interested or committed. You know, I think, I think it's, are you, are, are you committed to the program? Are you going to do things the right way? Are you going to be summer lifting? Are you going to come to seven on seven or are you just interested in wearing a jersey on Friday uh, around school? Um, because we don't have room for those guys, uh, especially in the situation we're walking into. Um, you know, I don't want to put a win and loss thing on it. I mean, uh, I believe with the coaching staff we've, we assembled and the kids we have in that school that we'll, we will be extremely competitive in every game we play. We will work hard. Our kids will be prepared mentally and physically. And if they have a dude that we don't, that's football. You know, um, like we play, we play Lehigh in our rivalry game, Lehigh uh, Senior High School. They have the number one running back in the class of 2023. And we, we, you know, when we get to that game, it's a rivalry game. You guys know as well as I do, rivalry games, you throw the records out. I can tell you right now, we, we, our, our kids will be ready. Our kids will be ready to go. Um, so I think, I think first thing and foremost is, is to win the spring. And, and that's just, just getting better every day. And just... Um, you know, like 
every every conditioning session we have, we have a mental toughness competition. So like today, um, I had we we had the the freshman class, sophomore class, and junior class. I, I broke them up into groups when we lifted, and then um, I had them pick two kids from each group. I didn't tell them what we were going to do yet, so they picked who was going first. We did we 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 hung from the pull up bar. Who could hang who could hang longest from the pull up bar? And the kids are cheering. I, I said, cheer for your teammates. Push your teammate. I said, are you going to be the guy when things go down and we give up a long run or, or fumble the ball? Are you going to be pointing fingers? Or are you going to be, are you going to be responding to adversity the right way? You know, cheer your teammate. So then um, the sophomore class won. The, the, uh, the, the young man hung the longest. Then the next group did planks. The freshman class won. He did a seven and a half minute plank. And then we went to a tiebreaker, a wall sits. They had to pick one guy that hadn't gone yet in the junior and sophomore class. And then the, uh, the sophomores ended up winning and getting 20 points. So every competition is worth some kind of points. And then we're going to give the winning class a pizza party at the end of the spring. So um, I think just establishing that competitive edge in our kids and showing them that, you know, the adversity that we're building, the bond is going to grow stronger. And, um, and I think we'll look back on this spring and when we get into the fall and we'll look back and know that this spring prepared us for what we're going to do in the fall. Well, coach, as a, as a new OC, then, you know, what, Obviously, you don't, you know, don't want to give out all your secrets and things like that, you know, being a, being a new program and all that. But, uh, you know, where do you kind of start, you know, with, with the run game, pass game? You know, maybe yep. what are some things you've been studying or, you know, is it, is it kind of something that you just kind of gathered from scratch? I'm interested to hear, you know, hey, man, this is something I, I've wanted to do. So it's obviously something you've, you've been putting together and thinking about for a long time. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so um, the coach, and you're a defensive guy. so. Um, I can ask you what what's the what's the one personnel set that that you hate as a defensive guy? Well, I mean, I'm an, more of an offensive guy myself too, but I mean, obviously for me, it's it's eleven personnel just because I think you could do a lot of different things out of it personally. Okay, so we're so we're going to start out in in, in in multiple sets of twelve. Um, I, I've been studying a lot of uh, coaching. even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Coastal Carolina and North Dakota State in the offseason. So I was going to say that's what I would pick. Twelve personnel. Yeah, it's it, as a defensive guy, it balances you <laughs> up and it kind of forces your hand coverage-wise um, in certain unbalanced formations and things. So um, we're going to be mainly twelve in the spring um, with with a touch of eleven, um, but then we're gonna we're gonna do some things in the summer that. Um, Hopefully I can come back on with you guys in the fall and, and, and it'll be working well. So coach, what is, um, and again, we don't want to get too specific, but like you said, you want to tailor, you know, your stuff a little bit to the kids you have, obviously yes. you don't know the kids that you have yet. I mean, I'm sure you've seen them on, on huddle and, and have a little basis and, and can talk to the two coaches that remain, but you really don't know on offense or defense necessarily what do we even have in these kids. So how do you you just start from a, you know, I guess plays that you know that, you know, most kids can run well, or do you throw just, hey, let's throw the whole playbook and then let's cut some things out as we find out what we're good or bad at. You know, what is your plan on 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 doing that, either on the offense or defensive side? Well, offensively, we're, you know, and I'm a defensive guy calling offense. So we're going to huddle. 
Um, you know, we're, we're going to take some time off the clock. Uh, we're we're going to run the football. Um, we're going to get our, our playmakers the ball in space and move those guys around. And um, whether that be on a, a, a tunnel screen or, um, you know, sprint out pass, uh, you know, something along those lines. So we'll, we'll be um, – I'm hoping that we can just call a formation and just run a check system um, with a couple plays that we've practiced. Uh, based on the numbers in the box or if we run an unbalanced set, you know, based on their, where, where, where they set up and things like that. Um, so that, that's kind of the plan offensively is just, we, we have speed. Um, we'll be young at a lot of skill positions, but we got guys that can go. Um, so that's one thing we have the entire offensive line coming back. They, they started mostly freshmen and sophomores last year. Um, so we have the entire O line coming back. Um, we have most of the defense coming back. So, um, you know, that's why I kind of wanted to keep it simplistic in, in the spring defensively is just run our bare front, run a bunch, a couple different coverages and just have the kids line up and know their responsibilities and just play fast and physical and just go to work. So that's kind of where we're at right now as far as that process. Coach, you don't want to operate then in, in 12. That puts a pretty big onus. And, you know, Harper's now going to be a tight ends coach himself, but you know, puts a pretty big onus if you're going to be a 12 personnel squad to, to have, you know, kind of that tight end coach or, you know, if you're the coordinator, you know, maybe being quite involved with those guys because you're going to ask them to do a lot. Is that something you've thought a lot about as well? And knowing, hey, man, we're going to play with multiple tight ends. I better have a coach that's going to be dedicated to, to coach these dudes up. Yeah, uh, so um, th and that's going to be me. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, so uh, I have an O-line coach. Um, but I'm going to kind of float back and forth between, you know, if we're having an inside run period, I'll be down there, um, you know, seven on seven, I'll let the wide receivers coach handle, but I'll be more involved with the tight ends in, in the, in the run game. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, we have, we have two, uh, two freshmen that are, that are pretty good sized kids that are athletic and, and, and pretty physical. So I'm excited to see what they can do on the field. Um, you guys know as well as I do, everybody looks good in shorts and a T-shirt until you put the pads on. So, um, we're, you know, we're excited to get out there April 26th and, and start getting after it. I like it. I like you taking over with the tight ends. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, uh, the old North Dakota State, like you said. Uh, I think the, their past couple of offensive coordinators have done the same thing. And I think it just, you know, allows – if you're going to be a team that wants to be able to run the ball, it allows so much flexibility of being able to be an inside run, you know, being able to be on seven on seven, uh, you know, being a, a big part of it, but, um, you know, not missing out on, on some of those important parts of practice or whatever. I, I've always really liked that idea, um, especially for like uh, offensive line guys where they can still have a big hand in the offensive line, but they can have an offensive line coach, like you said, uh, but still not get too far away from, you know, what made them good coaches in the first place. Oh, no, I, absolutely. Yeah. So, and again, they're young guys too. So they're going to, they're going to need, especially this spring, they're going to need a lot of, and again, we're not putting a whole lot in. Um, so it's, it's just getting them to understand fundamentally on reach blocks, on down blocks, you know, um, on arc releases, like what, 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 what their steps are, what their landmarks are, you know, things like that. So, um, and, and again, you know, they, they didn't play tight end last year as freshmen. So, you know, not only are they young, they're also green behind the ears when it comes to the position, too. So that'll be a hurdle that we'll have to get over, but I think they'll be okay. Coach, talk to me a little bit about USA football. I, I feel like I should probably know more than I do. Um, 
it, it's I don't know whether it wasn't big in Oklahoma or I just didn't know about it. I know we had a few Oklahoma coaches that were part of it. Um, I'm just I just don't know much about it. And, and it sounds like it's been going on for a long time now. You've been a part of it for, you know, you know, sounds like a you know, multiple years, you know, 10, 13 years. I can't remember what you said, but you've been a part of it for a long time. What is USA football? Uh, you know, how do those kids get into USA football? How do you get to be a coach USA football? You know, just a brief overview uh, from what you've seen, because like I said, I should know more. I just don't know much about it. I mean, so the, the organization itself, um, it basically, it, it, it leads, strengthens, and, and it grows youth football through education, events. Um, and it, it, it's, it, makes you, it makes the game safer and smarter and, and fun. Um, the, so th there's, there's, the, there's USA football, which is, you know, which I'm part of the, the, the master trainer program, which is we get, we actually just had our training this weekend via Zoom. So we learn, um, uh, different contact techniques. We learn uh, tackling. Uh, we learn about emergency action planning, safety, how to treat heat illness. So, so we can go out when we start presenting again, we can go out we, and we clinic youth coaches on that stuff from the master trainer program. Um, the national team program has been going on for a long, long time. Um, Aaron Ingram, who's the senior manager of the national team is a former college coach and he is just one of the one of the best human beings I've ever been around. Um, has given me so many opportunities. Um, you know, guys like him and um, Al Pops, who's the, the the scouting coordinator for the national team. Charles uh, Tedesco, who is a former wide receiver at Purdue. He's AI's uh, right hand guy, and Mr. Hollenbach, who's the CEO. And um, it, it, it's a it's a way for kids to play on the big stage and represent their country. And and I tell people all the time, there's no greater feeling than being able to coach for your country. And my grandfather was a World War II veteran. I had two uncles and fought in Vietnam to run out at AT&T Stadium and be carrying a United States flag. There, there's, as, a, as a coach, as, as, as a human being, there was no greater feeling for me. And then to be able to win those, those games, um, it's it just awesome. And the national team and uh, coach Ingram and those guys do such a first-class job. I mean, when you're there, you feel like a college football coach. Um, you are, you have ops people. You don't have to worry about taking a tent. Everything you, everything you would do as a high school coach at a camp, you don't have to do. You're there to win a football game. When you get picked, you're there to win a football game. And then coach, I know you asked how you get picked. So the big thing is for guys that want to get involved is apply to work these regional camps throughout the country and then understand that if you get selected, that's the first step. And you are getting evaluated the entire weekend by the USA football staff to see if you're up to the level of the national team program. And that's kind of how the next step goes, that if you do these regional camps and you do a really, really good job, you, have, you then get on the list to maybe get selected to coaching AT&T Stadium. And like I said, no better feeling, man, than, than to be running out of the tunnel at AT&T with the Stars and Stripes. It's fantastic. Coach, who do we play? What what countries do we play against? Uh, so it's varied over the years. Um, we've played Japan. We played um, the Nordic states, actually. Uh, played Mexico. Um, uh, we've we played uh, Germany, Canada. Um, so those are the kind of re repeat teams that come. Um, I was the head. They, the, they asked me to be 
uh, Coach Ingram called me last year and asked me if I could be the head coach of the Japanese team and represent USA football. I was like, yes, sir. Absolutely. And um, ironically enough, we ended up winning the game uh, 28-17. Um, you, you beat the U.S. with the Japanese team? Yes, sir. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – I was so happy for those kids, man. And, and that's – at the you know, I got people ask me, like, what was it like? And, you know, I just thought about those kids from Japan that had to get on a plane and do a 16-hour flight back to Japan, but they could tell their grandkids that they went to AT&T Stadium in 2020 and they – defeated the United States national team in Cowboy Stadium. So for those kids and, and, and what a great group of coaches they brought. And the cool thing about that was I got to pick my staff. So I picked guys, like I picked my high school position coach, guys that coached or played for my head coach that are Hall of Famers in New Jersey, a couple guys down here that I coached with in Florida. So that made it even more, it, it made it even more special because I got to give those guys that experience then, and those guys had helped me along the way to get there. Coach, now as a, as a head coach, and again, I'm, I'm sure you, you check this stuff out all the time. It's been one of the questions I ask a lot of, you know, our defensive guys. But, you know, what are some of the stats and analytics that you kind of, you know, rank your defense or, you know, maybe you kind of hang your hat on now as, as a head coach that, hey, these are going to be some of the things that we kind of point to. Obviously, you know, hey, turnovers or whatever it might be. There's there's a, a multitude of different things I think that that teams are doing that kind of becomes the data for, you know, Hey, here's how we're going to be able to get wins. And here's how that kind of, it proves the way that we're playing. So, I mean, I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll do all the regular stats coach, you know, um, you know, passing yards per game, uh, rushing yards per game. Um, you know, obviously turn We have, we have a turnover chain that the kids love. Um, you know, they, they, they love breaking it out. And um, we did it a lot last year at Palmetto, which was really cool. One thing that um, I did last year, that we're going to continue to do at East Lee is um, uh, I've been, I've been friends with coach Don Brown for, for close to 15 years now. And um, coach actually wrote the forward for both my books. And um, he does this thing called havoc rate and havoc rate is you do it per game. And then we, what we did was we, we averaged our, we had our, our havoc rate for the season. So Havoc rate is your sacks, TFLs, pass breakups, interceptions, forced fumbles, and third down stops over total plays. Our havoc rate last year for Palmetto was 42%. So 42%, we averaged 42% in 10 games. Um, so that's one of the cool things that I, I always throw at the kids. Like, you know, we'd always dangle a carrot. Like, hey, if we get the havoc rate over 38%, this, uh, this game will get you guys donuts and and they, and they loved it. The kids absolutely ate it up. They absolutely loved it. So that's that's one of the things I, I, that I've taken new to as of last year that we'll continue to do. So, Coach, uh, you know, you, you mentioned you've been a head coach for Team USA. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, you get so much support with that. It's it's very different than being a, a new high school head coach or that first high school head coaching you know job. But what are some things you think that maybe you can bring from – being a head coach for Team USA over to a a head, you know, a high school head high school job. Sure, um, I think organization. Uh, you know, we find out generally if you're going to be coaching a national team in an international bowl. You generally find out in December, and the games are in January. So you have eight practices um, with with a um, controlled scrimmage. 
So you have to be extremely organized and prepared with your playbooks and your practice schedule. So when you get to Dallas, you're hitting the ground running. You, you can't meet that day with a staff that, you know, you may not have known who a lot of these guys are. Like I, I was fortunate enough last year to pick my staff, but two previous years I had, you know, they, they choose your staff for you based on, you know, the guys that have been in the program. So you got to get to know these guys and you got to, Hey, I need, I would always say, Hey, I need both playbooks by this date. Here's, here's a practice plan template. Let's plan the first three practices. So when we get in, so we generally fly in the day before the kids. So when we get there, we have the playbooks are done. The first three days of practice are done. So now when the kids come in, we're ready to roll. I mean, and, and then we just, after the third practice, we'll just go out, go as we go. But I think organization, preparation, and just just a first class way to do things. That that that's what the, the organization USA Football shows you to do. Coach, you also mentioned you had a couple books. Uh, I, I didn't know that going into this. What are what are your two books? How did you go about doing that? Me and Coach Walls have talked about writing a book, and it wouldn't be writing it really. It would just be kind of a you know compilation of our of our uh, um, podcast episodes, basically. You know some of the gems we've taken out but how'd you go about that that's a uh, monumental task to figure out yeah well it, I, I the two of them is it's called the right defense for your program and then the second one is just the right defense for your program volume two so uh it was really um something that i you know when we first went into quarantine uh last year it was um something that you know you know my wife works from home she works um in, for insurance company in naples and you know i was home with the kids and I was done with the kids. Our, our, our school before we went virtual, um, my school that I ran was done at two o'clock every day. So now it's two o'clock and, you know, well, what am I going to do? I can't get ready for spring ball because that's canceled. I, I can't, you know, we can't get the kids in the weight room. We're not allowed on the, on the school, on the grounds. Um, so I just said to my wife one night, I said, I'm going to try to do this thing. And I sat down the first night and wrote 25 pages. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I, I reached out to a couple guys, Sean Liotta being one of them and um, Steve Speck being the other and um, kind of, you know, how they went about their process. And uh, Sean steered me to Amazon Direct Publishing. And I was fortunate enough to have an AP English teacher in our building that used to be a freshman football coach. So I reached out to him and he proofread it and formatted it for me. And the first one went out and it was uh, number one in football coaching for six weeks on Amazon. And I, I was shocked would be an understatement but I, I I do believe that people being at home and wanting something to read played a uh, played a big part in that and then uh, the second one was uh, about a month and a half later um, it, it was it's the first one's more about like my football journey and things that I've learned uh, a little bit of practice planning stuff about the Japanese team and things about Manasquan New Jersey where I grew up and guys that I've learned from and the second one was more football so the second one was more Nick, our, our two, four, five nickel package, defending empty. Um, and then uh, the one, the two chapters in that I'm really, I'm really proud of is myself, Adam Harvey and Eric Kaspowitz. Uh, we did game planning as a defensive coordinator chapter. So the three of us just go through our, from after the game Friday, all the way to preparing to the next game. Um, what we do, call sheets, film study, sideline duties. I mean, everything. And then the the, the last chapter was, building a team culture with myself, Jason Mons, who's out of Seguro High School, uh, John Weaver and John Torrey, um, my brother-in-law, Justin Kramer, 
who's at SEMO and he did it from a college perspective. And I talked about the black shirt defense of Palmetto and how we built that up. So that was kind of it. And it was just being at home with um, uh, ADD and OCD coach, to be honest with you, and uh, just took it from there. Well, coach, like you said, sometimes timing is everything. And, and yeah. it sounds like you hit it really, really well. And I'm sure, obviously, it was also a great book or people wouldn't have, you know, continued buying it. Um, well, coach, we're running up on an hour now. Uh, but before we let you go, I always like to ask, you know, one final question to guys. Uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, I always look for get off. I always look for guys getting off the ball and movement, uh, initial movement up front. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously, Coach, depending on uh, what type of offense you're seeing, if you're seeing a zone scheme or a gap scheme team. and um, But I, I think the one thing I really look, look at is, are they getting off the ball and can they move our guys? And if the answer is yes, I, I know we're going to be in for a long night. Um, because that means that they're going to have the upper hand. A, they know where they're going before we do. And, and B, if they can get off the ball faster than us and they can move us, um, we're going to have to change some things up schematically, defensively. So I would say that, that absolutely, first and foremost, is get off and, and movement up front. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.